a man who believes he's being gang-stalked by his neighbors decides to take the war to them. And then we travel to India to take a look at a cryptid that was so feared, thousands of people protested in the streets demanding that the government take down the Muno Chawa today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I really do mean that. I hope today is an awesome day for you. Let's go ahead and get this episode started. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone on your feet and give it up for Terry Malika. Woohoo, yeah! Come on in, Terry. Assuming I pronounced your last name right, Terry, come on in. Even if I didn't, you're still allowed inside. Dead Rabbit Command. Terry, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon. I totally get it. I really do. Just please, please get the word out about the show. You have no idea how much that helps. If you can't support the show financially, just tell your friends and family or talk about it online. Really, really, really please do that. It helps the show grow. And the show needs to grow. It does need to grow. So, Terry, let's go ahead and get this journey started. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the bunny bicycle. We're going to take a nice leisurely ride all the way from Dead Rabbit Command out to a very depressing story in Butler Township, Ohio. Squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. Squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. That is the bunny bicycle. You see, we need new listeners to hear the the squeaky noises of the bunny bicycle. We're headed out to Butler Township. We're sitting on the handlebars. We're enjoying the last days of summer. It's August 5th, 2022 in Butler Township, Ohio. Specifically, we're going to a sleepy little area known as Haverstraw Avenue. Eek. Terry peels out on the bicycle. We go flying off the handlebars. Uh, actually, you know what's funny? This is going to be a little side segue. This is going to be super depressing in the beginning. I keep making these jokes about us sitting on the handlebars of this bicycle. I got to be honest with you guys. When I was a little kid, see, I don't remember this super clearly, but this would have been, I was born in 76. I think this was like in 79, 80, 81, something like that. One of my older brother's good friends they were, I remember the street we lived on. This was when we lived in Orangevale back in the late 70s, early 80s. Like, I don't remember this, right? Because I was such a little tiny guy, but my brother does. My family does. There are these kids in the neighborhood. We lived on this street. The, the, the tones totally changed. Terry's like, uh, what? Are we still going to Ohio or what? We're in Orangevale, California. There's this the street we lived on kind of ended in a cul-de-sac. There's a long street with a cul-de-sac on the end. And it was my brother's best friend and his little brother. I don't remember any of their names. I was a baby. What do you expect? I'm a little baby person. But I remember this story like very clearly being told to me as a kid. Safety first, right? My brother's best friend and his little brother were riding on a bicycle. The brother, the older brother, was pedaling and the younger brother was on the handlebars. And they weren't wearing helmets because, again, it was the 1980s. Children were indestructible. And they were riding on the bicycle, and there was some sort of accident, right? He was going too fast down this street, and he hit the brakes, or they hit a rock, or whatever it was. And the younger brother flew off the handlebars and landed right on his head and died. Like, he didn't die right there, but he had bleeding in the brain, and they took him to the hospital. And uh, Yeah, killed him. Killed him. How's that, how's that a way to start off this podcast? There was one of those, like, I have very, very clear memories of, like, bicycle safety, right? 
it was on like a summer day, you know, it was just a normal day and this little kid died on the street we lived on as my brother's first friend. So anyways, one of the big jokes about is falling off the handlebars that always pops in my head, that poor kid. But anyways, always <laughs> forgetting that depressing story or remembering it and using bicycle safety for yourself and your kids in the future. We're in Butler Township, Ohio. It's August 5th, 2022. And there's this guy. So this is August 5th is when everything comes to a head. But Stephen Marlowe, he's 39 years old. He's living on Haverstraw Avenue. He's living with his parents, which isn't a bad thing, right? A lot of people live with their parents, but he's also insane. Right? So that's a bad thing, right? If you're insane, you at least have the decency to do that by yourself. He's living with his parents. He's insane. And the reason why we know he's insane, other than the story I'm about to tell you, is the neighbors said this guy was this guy was nuts. The people lived near him. He would constantly be yelling at people for being too noisy. But, you know, maybe the neighbors were too noisy. Well, they said it was really weird. They go, if we came out of our house, like right after we came out of our house, maybe like a couple of minutes would pass, he would come out and start screaming at us, you're being too noisy, what are you guys doing out here? And they were like, they would get it just for walking around outside. He also, though, <laughs> this might put you in the insane category, he had recently gotten off probation, just back in February 2022, for aggravated burglary and aggravated menacing. He broke into one of his neighbor's houses and threatened them, right? We, have no, we don't know if it was because they were being noisy or not, but he did break into someone's house, and he just got off probation for that in February. So people, they were fed up with him in this neighborhood. But what are you going to do, right? Well, the problem is, yeah, there's nothing you can do, right? People have bad neighbors. What are you going to do? But then on August 5th, 2022, the, the real depth of this dude's insanity, of Stephen's madness, became apparent when he started a murder spree. Now, the problem is, is that this happens so often that a lot of these kind of just, you just forget about them, right? Unless they're absolutely bizarre, the casualties are just even hard to comprehend. As I'm recording this, they just had that mass stabbing up in Canada. Like, 10 people were stabbed to death. They're still looking for one of the stabbers. Um, they found one of them. There's two brothers who just went randomly door-to-door and started stabbing people. Have you guys heard about this? You're like, no, you're super scared here in Canada now. You're like, ah. Two brothers, I should probably could have just done a segment on this, but I'm kind of waiting to see what happens. Two brothers in Canada begin stabbing people randomly. They said it was basically like door-to-door stabbings. And as of now, as of September 6th, they found one of the stabbers. He stabbed to death. They found one of the guys who was walking around stabbing people. They found him at some location, stabbed to death, and the police go, they weren't self-inflicted stabs. So now they think one brother stabbed the other brother and... The brother, who's still alive, still stabbing, is out there somewhere. That's unusual, right? Mass stabbing over a large geographical area. But, you know, these family annihilations, these mass casualty events, they just kind of kind of start to blend together, right? This one is notable for two reasons. One, he did go to different locations to kill some people. First off, he went and these people were lived in the area. He shot and killed Clyde and Eva Knox. Clyde was 87 and Eva Knox was 78. He shot them to death. And then nearby, it actually kind of, to the articles I read made it seem like it was in their car. 
but I, I could be wrong on that. He shot and killed Sarah Anderson, 41-year-old woman, and her 15-year-old daughter, Kayla Anderson. And then he disappears from the scene. Like, these murders took place near his address, and then he disappeared. This this is what made... So that's unfortunate, right? We see this happen all the time. Major crimes in major cities. We see horrible, horrible stuff. At least I do, because I I read all the true crime websites every single day. What made this one extremely notable for what we talk about here on Dead Rabbit Radio... I mean, we do do true crime, but as far as the world of the conspiracy goes, as he was on the run... So this was after he had committed the shootings, but while he was on the run, he released a manifesto, an audio manifesto. Now, I'm going to play this for you in full because it's creepy. This is what I've been warning about. This is the end boss of the gang stalking conspiracy theory. If you truly believe you are being gang-stalked, if you truly believe that the government or aliens or some sort of shadowy organization or a group of perverts are monitoring everything you say and committing psychological warfare against you, if you truly believe that that is happening, this is the, this is the final stage of that. And I'm going to play this for you, and I'm going to play this for you, And I want you to keep in mind that there are thousands of people out there who think just like him but have not taken this step yet. Let's go ahead and listen to his manifesto. Hey, guys. Um, So mom, dad, Kevin, Carrie, Brendan, um, I just want you to know I love you more than you will ever know. Um, I could not have asked for a better family. What you cannot comprehend is that we have been attacked by this weapon our entire lives, and the attack against me personally is one of the most vicious attacks a human being um, has ever faced. I have tolerated the most inhumane torture in hopes that the FBI and CIA would come to my defense, but they have failed to come to my aid. My only hope is that you come to understand what has happened here. When the world realizes what has happened, there will be justice, but I cannot sit by and be a victim any longer, and I refuse to sit by and do nothing while my nieces and nephews and the rest of my family or operated on with mind control. Our thoughts are not private. It is disgusting and it is cruel. I will be launching the first counterattack against mind control in human history. I want to be very clear, this will not be an active shooting event. I will be executing some of the people responsible for activating shooters. Um, if I happen to survive, please visit me in prison, if only to see the same man you have always known, rather than the victim of some mental disorder that does not exist. What you may not understand is that I will gladly die to expose this, and I will gladly die to help one other victim discover the truth of what has happened. If I can help another targeted individual fight back against telepathy, then the sacrifice will be well worth it. To any TIs who read this, understand that your attackers use the form of ventriloquism I describe in the paper to move your thoughts, but your thoughts can also move their mouth. To my friends in Chicago, Lexington, Dayton, and all over the world, get this email out to everyone you know. The most horrific weapon ever made is being used on human beings. And if you ever learn the truth, you will understand what I did here to protect myself and my family. Get this out to other TIs, other voice hearers, so the world has a chance to fight back. Um, To my family, especially my nieces and nephews, I want you to understand that what I do here, I do for your future. And hope that you can live a life free of mind control. I love you guys. It's terrifying, isn't it? It's terrifying. He's been caught 
now. He was caught on August 6th in Lawrence, Kansas, which is 600 miles away from where his home was, and they don't know why he was in Kansas. He had no relations there. They don't, he didn't work there or anything like that. They don't know why he ended up there. But think about the, the two quotes I really pulled out of that was, quote, my only hope is that you come to understand what has happened here. When the world realizes what has happened, there will be justice. But I cannot sit by and be a victim any longer, and I refuse to sit by and do nothing while my nieces and nephews and the rest of my family are operated on with mind control. Now, we know that's not real. We know that's a delusion because we can see these shared delusions in other gang stalkers, right? But this is the thing. This is righteous anger, right? He, he it's, it's not. It's not. I'm not pro him doing this it's absolutely horrible but he's looking at it through that prism like if i don't do something now the same thing's going to happen to the people that i love and and really that quote i'll, I'll say it again but it, I, you probably don't need me to it's probably the most standout quote that he said too where he goes quote i will be launching the first counterattack against mind control in human history I want to be very clear, this will not be an active shooting event. I will be executing some of the people responsible for activating shooters. So there we have a, a couple different conspiracy theories kicking in. But that first one, I will be launching the first counterattack against mind control in human history. This is the end game for gang stalking because they believe that this is some insidious agency that is doing this to them. And it might be the first. I, I think that you could probably look through other people who thought they were being gang-stalked. We might have even covered people who thought they were being gang-stalked by members of their family or something like that, and they attacked members of the family. That kind of rings a bell. But where he's just randomly shooting people, right? He believed that these four people, this elderly couple and this mother and this daughter, were not only gang-stalking him, were not only inflicting mind control against him, but also possibly part of an organization that would attack his nieces and nephews and everyone else he loved. He believed that these are the people who are responsible for mass shootings. As in this idea that all of these mass shootings, they're actually mind control victims. And I believe this is just the beginning. I'm not saying we're going to have a winter of blood. I'm not going to say that all of this stuff's going to happen instantly. But I think you are going to see, over the next few years, gang-stalking victims, quote-unquote gang-stalking victims, fighting back against who they think their oppressors are. And since their oppressors don't exist, it is the guy. We've covered so many gang-stalking people on this podcast, I find it infinitely fascinating. The guy who, when you finally sit down to eat some Top Ramen, your neighbor turns on his lawnmower. And these people go, every time I go to eat, my neighbor's mowing his lawn. He's gang-stalking me. Whenever I'm walking down the street, I see a guy wearing a white t-shirt, and every time I pass him, he kind of scratches his chest. He's signaling to me that he is a gang-stalker. He's trying to drive me nuts. That's who they're going to target. The neighbor, the person driving by in the car who drives by in the same car every day, they don't think, oh, they're just on their way home. No, at 3 p.m. he always sees a black Honda drive by, and that's the gang stalker showing, hey, look at me, I'm keeping track of you. 
It's the rain. It, it's going to be insane. It's going and it's going to be terrifying. You're not going to be able to stop it. You're not going to be able to stop it. Once these tar- quote unquote targeted individuals, is what they call themselves, begin to follow the path of Stephen, it will be bad. Because we have these mass shootings where people go into schools or they go into work or they go into churches, things like this. These are going to be neighborhoods. These are people going to go door to door, just like that. I don't not seeing the people in Canada were gang stalking. I don't think that was the thing, but you're going to see neighborhoods get annihilated. Large casualty events. Because if, think about it, if you're going to take out a neighborhood and you live in a house and you have all the time to prepare, you I'm not trying to give people ideas, but you could fortify your house and just pick people off. You're not going to another location to do something. It It's your home turf. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And to make things even creepier, tomorrow, I know I've covered a lot of gang stalking stuff this week, but tomorrow I got one of the creepiest gang stalking stories that I've come across in a long time. I mean, this guy murdered people, and it's creepier than that one. Is it possible that gang stalking is contagious? Is it possible by being near one of these targeted individuals that you could catch the madness that makes you think everyone in the world is after you. We're going to talk about that story tomorrow. Right now, Terry, let's lighten, let's lighten things up a bit. I'm going to toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're flying all the way out to India. Specifically, we're headed to Uttar Pradesh. Uttar Pradesh in India. It's a state up in the northern part of India, and we're going back to the year 2002. And before I continue, I want to give a shout out. There's a, I found this story on a really cool subreddit called Mechthology. Uh, they cover a lot of really obscure stuff. We've talked about them before on this podcast. It's been a while since I covered anything from there. But Mechthology on Reddit, they have a whole website. They have an Instagram and anywhere. If you hate Reddit, you can follow them on Instagram as well. But they're always posting really cool stuff. And the user who posted this was named BellyCrow101. So thank you so much for bringing attention to this. I love a good cryptid. We've covered so many. There's not that many cool ones left, or so I thought. The Munocha is this creature. Its name literally means something that scratches the face. So that should tell you where we're at right now. If you have, If you like your face a lot, This would not be a a guide to run into. But our story starts in June 2002. We're in Uttar Pradesh, India. Now, at this time, there's a massive drought going on in this area. That's bad enough. Water is one of those things you need for yourself, let alone your cattle and everything else. So they have this huge drought in this state in India. But then, just when you thought life couldn't get worse, you're sitting outside late at night one night. You're sitting there smoking a little cigarette. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is the best thing to be doing during a drought. Lighting things on fire and then flicking them off into the darkness. You're smoking a cigarette, and then all of a sudden, up in the sky, you see this bright light. This bright light doesn't make, it doesn't have a jaunty tune or anything. You just see this bright light getting closer and closer to you, and you're like, what in tarnation is that? And then all of a sudden, you're holding pieces of your face together with some sort of metal claw this little creature or whatever it is we'll get into that in a second 
sliced your face open. You're like holding one cheek on and blood squirting out everywhere. You're like, ah, I ruined my cigarette too. I got blood all over my cigarette. And you run to the doctor and he's like trying to put your face together and stuff like that. And he's trying to save your life, really. You have such deep lacerations. He's like, don't smile. If you smile, your face is going to explode. Everything's all cut up. And these attacks begin to happen all over the state. Throughout this region that is being devastated by drought, people begin to report attacks from this creature that they name the Munochawa. The Munochawa. Which I now have pronounced differently six or seven different times. I apologize to you, cryptid man. Munochawa literally means something that scratches the face. And people keep seeing this thing. But what's so weird about this cryptid is no one could really agree on what it looked like. Some people said it was just a bright light that would come out of the sky and slice your face open. Other people said, no, no, it was actually a fuzzy creature. You could actually see some sort of outline to it, but it was all fuzzy. But it's eyes... As it got close enough to you, you could look into its soulless eyes. Slice! Slice your face up. Some people thought it was a ghost. A vengeful spirit that was wrecking havoc on the population. Some people said it looked like a giant insect. Some people said, this is kind of weird, this is kind of of a de-escalation. Some people said it looked like a tiny insect. Some people said it looked like a three-inch insect that would just come buzzing around at night. All the attacks are at night. And when it got close enough to you, slice, slice your face up. What's interesting is you never really got a cohesive description of this, which would make you think they're making it up, right? They're just making this stuff up. But in the world of this phenomenon, it could be in the eye of the beholder. Because what happens is you start to get all these different descriptions going from a flying turtle to a ghost to a light that only flew sideways. You started getting all these weird things. And then you started getting people saying, I saw it up close and it didn't have soulless eyes. It didn't have this fuzziness to it. It actually looked like a robot. Actually, it looked like something that maybe one of our enemies built. Like a little Pakistani robot was flying around and slicing our faces up. What's really interesting about that definition, because they said it had red and blue lights on it. See, it wasn't like this glowing ball. They said it had red and blue lights on it, and it looked like a robot. This story takes place in 2002. If this story took place in 2022, we would all just say drone. Right, We would immediately go, it's a drone, right? Maybe it's cutting them up with the propellers. Maybe it does have some sort of appendage on it that's being controlled, like a little razor-sharp hand. But in 2002, that type of technology, I mean, I'm sure they were working on it. And I you know, obviously we had remote control cars and things like that. But to think of a drone, right? A drone at least being operated in public like that in civilian areas... You know, small enough to... That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we had those big, giant predator drones during the Iraqi war, the second Iraqi war. But like a little guy floating around a neighborhood of those commercial drones, I don't think they were that small back then. But that was a theory, right? That this was a Pakistani robot that was being controlled. It's definitely a valid one. Pakistan and India hate each other. 
Maybe Pakistan hates India enough that they would send a robot after them. Now, some of these scratches, because people were going to the doctors for these, some of these scratches were superficial, right? It just looked like someone maybe took their fingernails and drove them across somebody's faces. But that didn't stop the stories from spreading that this thing could actually rip your face off. It could take off your entire face and you would go into shock and die. This thing was actually killing people. This creature was so... Whether or not it's scratching you, whether it's just a superficial scratch or you died, people didn't want it to happen and people started to become paranoid of running into the Munchawa. So people were refusing to go to sleep. They figured, I'm safe if I stay up. <laughs> the first guy wasn't smoking a cigarette. He was awake, but maybe if I stay up, it won't attack me. And you had towns organize nightly patrols. They would walk through the streets banging on drums, chanting, Everyone alert. Attackers beware. Everyone alert. Attackers beware. Which that probably explains why no one was sleeping, right? It wasn't because they were afraid of this thing. They're like, oh, I can't sleep. That song's stuck in my head. But even with these neighborhood watch groups and their snazzy new single coming out, Everyone Alert, the attacks continued. Now, Uttar Pradesh is a giant state. There's a ton of cities here, and it was region-wide. And it actually seemed to be happening in multiple cities at the same time. So when we look at the idea of a cryptid, it's incredibly mobile. It's able to traverse this entire area multiple times. Like, it can attack multiple people in multiple different villages a night. This became such a huge... I've never seen this in researching cryptids. This story became such a big issue in India, in the town of Siddhapur. 10,000 people showed up demanding the government stop this cryptid from scratching their faces. They jam-packed the city and they were telling the police and telling the local government, you have to stop this thing because all the drums aren't stopping it, our songs aren't stopping it, we can't sleep, our faces are getting scratched up, you have to stop this. Now the police go, this is just a bunch of bumpkins, this isn't real, this isn't a real thing. But it's a real thing when 10,000 people show up and they're chanting, Fight the monster! Fight the monster! Well, anyways, 10,000 people of anything eventually becomes a riot and the police begin to fire rounds, fire live rounds to disperse the crowd. And someone got killed. Someone got killed, not by a cryptid, but by a police officer because of these Muno Chawa riots. A few days later, in the town of Barabanki, happened again. Massively, <laughs> apparently they figured, oh, you know, sit up here. They didn't bring enough people to riot. In the town of Barabanki, another riot broke out. Fight the monster. Fight the monster. The police again opened fire. They didn't learn the lesson from the previous day either. Someone else died in that one. And what we started to see was these police officers who were being tasked with hunting this thing. And the sergeant's like, listen, we know this thing doesn't exist, but just walk around the town in your uniform late at night. People will feel safer. Maybe they can get some sleep. Maybe they'll stop being so cranky about getting their faces scratched. But it's not its not really happening. So just, just go out there and take care of it. What happened was you started having police officers get attacked by this thing. So police officers who were formerly skeptical they were either attacked or knew someone who was attacked. 
Because this just kept going on for months and months and months. This started in June. Now we're in the month of August. And you actually see mainstream newspapers cover this. The Sydney Morning Herald ran an article written by the Associated Foreign Press on August 21st, 2002. And it was called, Scientists Explain Indian Monster. Monsters in quotes there. Interesting article, kind of just doing a summary of the events that we just did. And then it has... An answer by the Indian Institute of Technology. They were actually tasked. The Indian Institute of Technology was like, okay, we're going to get to the bottom of this whole monster thing. Monsters don't exist. We'll figure out what this is. And they came up with a really interesting answer. They said, listen, there's a huge drought striking this entire area. And we're not seeing this Muno Chawa, however you want to pronounce it, anywhere else. It's only in this area where this massive drought is and very, very dry conditions causes a phenomenon known as ball lightning. Now, ball lightning was something that scientists thought was a myth. It was something that you would hear people in the rural areas, country bumpkins, talk about, what, I saw a ball of light floating down the river one day and then it came in my house. It happens in dry areas, and Uttar Paresh has been dry for a while now. We've had this prolonged drought. They said it, it matches what they're talking about. It's a glowing form. It's illuminated. And if it hits you, it may not kill you. It could. It very well could. But if it hits you, it could easily cause abrasions on your face. Really, it would probably look like you got cut, and it would be extremely painful. So the Indian Institute of Technology said they're just having a lot of ball lightning in the area. And it's possible. So at this point, there's been over 70 reported attacks of this Muno Chawa. But the question is, is that 70 people getting attacked isn't going to get 10,000 people in the street protesting. Those are the those are the recognized reports. There may have been a ton of reports that were in farther off townships. And then there also probably was a lot of reports that was just mass hysteria, right? You wake up with a scratch in your face. You're like, no, I got attacked by the cryptid. I, mean, I guess it would be weird if you woke up. I was like, dismissing that. It would be weird if you woke up with a large gash on your face. It's like, ah, sleep it off. You're like, what? I got this while I was sleeping. What are you talking about? There's probably were a lot of people exaggerating this. And what's interesting, so we have the ball lightning theory. But then there's an even creepier theory. Is that... When So this had gone on for a couple of months. We're like, it started in June. We're in August now. You started having like scientists want to check this out. And doctors are going out to these regions because they're like, we kind of want to see what's going on. Like these people are talking about getting scratched. They go out there and the doctors are a little disappointed. <laughs> they're a little disappointed. They thought it was going to be gorier. Some of these wounds during this investigation, some of these wounds. And this this to me is creepier, honestly. If I had a choice between something flying through my house and scratching my... I don't want I don't want either one, but something flying, flying through my house and scratching my face, that would suck. But this other one was that these people were... They were so terrified that this creature was going to get them, it actually drove them mad. And as the doctors were examining these wounds, they go, Oh, this a monster didn't do this. You did this. And they're like, what? They're like, yeah, this is actually... You're so scared that the monster's going to get you... You sliced your own face open. That's worse. That's way worse. Apparently, like, you can get whipped up in such a frenzy that people were scratching their own faces, and it says sometimes they use their fingernails. That'd be bad. But it said sometimes they used forks 
or, quote, other instruments. I don't think they were talking about melon ballers. I think someone's picking up a knife and cutting their face. And it's not because they wanted to be in on the hip new trend of getting attacked by the scripted. It's that they were so paranoid and so distraught and just they had lost their mind. They were cutting open their own faces. That's worse. That's way worse than getting attacked by a cryptid. But what's so interesting about this is this is one of those rare cryptids that has an end-by date. Right, Bigfoot's been around for hundreds, some say thousands of years. This one started in June 2002, and it was over by October 2002, somewhere between September and October. The last article that you can really read written about this that's, you know, of the time, was in a website called Skeptica by Sanal Edamaraku. He wrote an article on October 1st, 2002, called The Truth About the Face Scratcher. And that's really where they really start to hammer in the ball lightning theory, because what happened was the drought ended. All sightings of this creature stopped once monsoon season began. So once the rain fell, the Munochawa left. Which really makes you think it might have been the ball lightning theory, right? Because the conditions changed. The environment that would cause all of this ball lightning to appear is gone. But see, ball lightning in and of itself is still pretty rare. But it makes sense. And what's interesting about this is, let's say that this wasn't a cryptid. Let's say that this was a natural phenomenon. That a couple of people, this ball of light flew by them and electrocuted them, basically. Maybe killed a couple, burned their faces. It looks like scratches on their faces, right? Let's say that's a handful of them. Out of the 70 reports, let's say that's maybe 10. Because ball lightning is very rare. Other people were cutting their own faces open. They were so terrified of this creature coming. They would because it says they go, This is a this is a possible psychiatric illness where you don't remember doing it. You injure yourself and you don't remember doing the injury. You're hysterical. You have people who are actually being attacked by ball lightning. Not attacked by ball lightning, it's just floating down the street, right? You have people being hit by ball lightning. It's a total natural phenomenon. It's painful, but it's natural. And then in response to that, you have people mangling their own faces, cutting their own faces up in this delusion, in this like blank mind state. They're the cryptid. They're the ones doing the injury. And so you have that. And then you have people being killed by the police over this. That was another thing. That was another thing I skipped over. Other people were getting killed. People were thinking that they're... That's funny. I totally forgot about that. It was in my notes, but just like the gang stalking thing, people began to become very paranoid. They thought one of their neighbors might be the Munochwa. Or a member of their family might be. People were getting beat up because they were being accused of being this cryptid in human form. Even though that's not in the lore. Really, there is no lore. It just started in June. This isn't something ancient. This is an incredibly recent crypto that only lasted for a couple months. But you had people getting beaten up. You had people getting killed. You had people mangling their own faces. If you accept the hypothesis that this was a natural event, this was all, all this chaos was happening. 10,000 people took to the streets because of ball lightning. It's insane. The story's nuts if you look at it just from that angle, but then you look at it, it could have been alien. 
Right. Put on our conspiracy caps. Aliens, they don't stay in one area for too long. A rolling spaceship. <laughs> There's no space moss. Could have been a spaceship doing some experiments. It could have been a rival government. It could have been the United States. We love doing stuff to other countries. I mean, they, they just, for whatever reason, the United States is like, hey, we invented this new thing. Let's go mess up another country. That's the big theory about Project Plate. Uh, the flying saucer thing in Brazil that we covered a long time ago. I don't remember the exact name. Was it Project Plate? But Project Plato. But the idea was that America was testing out some high-tech vehicles and we were attacking Brazilian villagers. I'll put that episode in the show notes. That's like episode 80 or something like that. That was a long time ago. But yeah, it could have been American. It could have been Pakistani. Could have been really any government. It could have been India's own government, right? Testing out this new technology. Because although back then it would have seemed novel, it would have seemed alien. Nowadays you could buy you could buy a Munichawa drone right off the shelf. You could fashion it with a bunch of forks stuck to its side and then fly it around. Was it a cryptid? Was it a a lonely spirit that was finally banished by the rain? Was it some sort of being, some sort of devil? That could only come out in these conditions. Who knows? I mean, it could be anything. Listen, most likely, most likely it was ball lightning. But even if we go with the ball lightning scenario, it was this natural phenomenon that drove people insane. To the point that they were slicing their own faces up because they feared the cryptid so much. A terrifying tale that lets us know that even in our modern scientific rational world, there is still a lot of superstition. There wasn't. I wouldn't have a podcast. I wouldn't have anything to talk about. But even when you can explain something, can you really explain something? Even 20 years later, we still look at these events, we still look at all of these things and go, was it ball lightning? Or was there something even darker going on there? The truth is, we'll never know. Unless the Muno Chua decides to visit India once again. Slice! Ah, my face! DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listen to it today. Every day.